0: Welcome to We Are A.C.H.E. of Massachusetts, a podcast series produced by the Massachusetts Chapter of the American College of Healthcare Executives. This series features educational and inspiring conversations with leading game changers in the healthcare field, offering insight into the challenges of healthcare professionals in the 21st century. Now, here's your host, Jordan Rich.
1: Welcome. Our topic today is all about the patient experience. My guest is Dr. Lisa Allen, Chief Patient Experience Officer for Johns Hopkins Medicine. She works with leaders and frontline medical staff across Johns Hopkins Medicine to implement a system-wide strategy to improve performance, supporting active involvement of patients and their families when it comes to treatment and critical care plans. Welcome, Dr. Allen. Let's start with a basic definition of patient experience.
2: The way that we've defined patient experience at Johns Hopkins Medicine is that we say that it's based partly on patients' expectations, and usually those patients' and family expectations are quite high when they come to an organization like ours, of what is about to happen and then their cumulative evaluation of their journey through our system. And we talk about having opportunities to delight or disappoint based on their clinical and emotional interactions with us as well as their interactions with our people, our processes, and our physical setting.
1: So this is a lot of understanding people's thoughts and feelings, not just the the clinical side of things.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I would say that some of the nicest letters that I've ever received throughout my career are actually from families who have lost a loved one in an organization I've worked with. And maybe you would say that wasn't the clinical outcome they had necessarily hoped for, and yet the way that we cared for them and their family left them feeling healed. And so it's not always a cure. Sometimes it's understanding that there is a disease, and, but how can you care for the person who has the disease, mm-hmm. not the, just the disease?
1: For the cynical people out there who think, "Oh, it's just a business." More and more healthcare organizations, and yours is one of the premier in the nation, are looking at the whole picture because customer satisfaction, patient satisfaction, is so critical to uh, to making their whole experience better.
2: I've- that people come into healthcare, uh, you know, even when you're having a baby, a lot of times there's fear around that. So people come in in a heightened state of anxiety, and really wondering what their life is going to be. What what diagnosis will they get, what will this mean for Mm -hmm. them, their family, their work. And so part of our job is helping them feel trust and build a sense of partnership with us.
1: We'll explore your own personal journey in this area, Dr. Allen, and also how more and more healthcare professionals are getting involved. But I'd like to know how does patient experience differ from, say, quality and safety? I think you've approached that subject. Let's be a little more specific
2: start by saying that I think there's a difference between patient satisfaction and patient experience. We used to always talk about patient satisfaction, which is really much more around people's expectations for services, things like the quality of the food, the convenience of the parking, the lighting, the temperature of the room, and those are really based on a lot of personal preferences. Patient experience is more around, did somebody explain things in a way that I can understand? We know that that's an important piece of a patient's experience? Did they listen to me? Do I feel like they heard me? Was I treated with courtesy and respect? And how often did those things happen? And so my world is much more around patient experience rather Mm. than satisfaction. Now, quality and safety are very important for our patients. And I think that most patients expect to be safe in a healthcare situation. And so it's only if something goes wrong, uh, you know, does that really come into play. Mm. But a patient experience is I expect high quality care. I expect to be safe. I expect to go out infection free, not to acquire an infection in your organization and that creates part of the experience.
1: When did this all happen for you? When did you become the go-to person for patient experience? (laughs)
2: So at Johns Hopkins Hospital, I started in uh, 2014, um, and I was the first uh, appointed as the first Chief Patient Experience Officer for Johns Hopkins Hospital.
1: So you're a trailblazer.
2: Yes, somewhat <laughs> here I am. There, you know, the first Chief Patient Experience Officer actually started in 2008 at the Cleveland Clinic. It's not that organizations didn't have people that were responsible for patient experience in one way or another. But I think by making it a chief role, it means that you sit Mm. in the management committees, that Mm. you are sitting at the board meetings, that you have a voice, that you are there to represent the voice of the patient and the patient's family.
1: Talk a little bit with us about you and the fact you started this project, this new career project in 2014, but that's not your whole history, obviously. Was this a path that seemed like a natural outgrowth of the kind of person you are and what you wanted, or was it brought to you and you had to think about it more than a few seconds? Give us a little background on how it happened for you.
2: Sure. So I have an unusual background. I have a PhD in medical anthropology and community medicine. Got that many years ago. And, um, my focus was always on the patient and family perception of healthcare and, and sort of the illness experience. So I've always had a passion for understanding what it feels like to be on the other side. And um, I ended up just knowing statistics and how to run research and projects and um, got into the quality and patient, it was satisfaction, the time field very early on. My passion was always around making sure that the patient experience was a good one, especially at times of suffering. So I just, I have to say, I've been incredibly fortunate. I mean, a lot of my career was around quality, regulatory, safety, learning lean, lean stigma, and always doing patient experience work and Mm -hmm. survey work. And so when this opportunity opened up to just focus on the patient experience, and to collaborate with people who work in quality, safety, regulatory it was really just, I mm. guess I have to say, a dream job.
1: Are we to assume, Dr. Allen, that you're not operating in a vacuum, that you are in touch with other organizations around the country? Is that how we can assume this is working these days?
2: Sure. So there are many um, outlets for chief patient experience officers, uh, either through organizations, mm-hmm. through vendors that we utilize. Um, we have opportunities. We connect We connect with each other. We talk with each other. Uh, there are opportunities for us to just go off and, and think about things in the future mm. together. So, yes, there is a small group of us, but we are connected.
1: Which suggests that there are more or will be more career opportunities in this area. Let me ask you about how you deliver information to your employees, to staff members, doctors and others to make sure that the patient experience is improved.
2: Right. So there are a few ways that we do this. I would say one of the most important ways that we do this is we make sure that patients and families are represented on key committees. So we do have patient and family advisors that sit in key quality, safety, and patient experience committees and that they can express the voice there. We use patient stories. We have thousands of comments and letters that we receive every single year. It's important to share and tell those stories because that's really where you can see what's so important to our patients Mm. and families. And then, of course, we we give numbers. We have surveys. We have many different kinds of surveys, email, text, um, uh, regulatory surveys, and we share that data at the hospital level, down to the service line level, down to the unit level, and even by physician. So there are many different ways to share the information, but we want to put it within the context. I think the other important piece of this is, We don't want to overwhelm the frontline staff. And so if one unit is working on listening skills, that's the the metric that we follow on that unit. If somebody else is working on staff responsiveness to the call bell, that's what we focus on on that unit. People at the frontline do not need to see the answers to 32 questions. We really want to keep it very focused and have performance improvement plans around those metrics set a goal, engage the frontline staff, patients, and families in problem-solving, implement, test, and redo if necessary.
1: Right, right. When you're dealing with people of different ages, different generations, different cultural backgrounds, cookie-cutter doesn't necessarily work. Are you finding that's the case with staff? If some are freshly out of college and in the in the hospital setting as opposed to, you know, 30-year vets, is there a difference in how they're approaching these these issues?
2: You know, I think... Part of it is the learning curve of new staff. New staff has to become, a new nurse has to become comfortable with their ability to care clinically and to deal with different situations. They come out usually very excited to be in the field. They've chosen this as a career and they come in with energy and positivity. But sometimes I've seen, you know, there's fear in in the new nurse and they have to get comfortable with their practice of of nursing. Mm. Um, so I think that that's an important piece or even, you know, residents, we see that their first year out of medical school, they're into a whole new world. And so reminding them of the person in front of them, that important, uh, importance of the human connection. And actually, it gives them greater job satisfaction as well.
1: Healthcare professionals who are listening to this, who are poised to perhaps make inroads into a new area of healthcare, this is a growing area and an important one. Would you say empathy and the ability to listen is high on the list of skill sets?
2: I would say your ability to be a problem solver, uh, to think about patient experience like you would any other performance improvement effort, to really understand the science behind it but then to build relationships because you're not the one delivering the care, so how do you relate to people in all different roles within the organization and become a trusted colleague that they can partner with, yeah. um, with, with this common goal in mind.
1: Seems like a pretty fun job when you know you're able to solve problems beyond the medical, in this case.
2: I, I think it's you know one of the greatest gifts uh, to have this job. It's really something where I come to work excited every day and I leave fulfilled on majority of my days. Um, But it really is an opportunity because I have a great depth of knowledge, and I would expect anybody who gets a chief role to have a great depth of knowledge and experience coming into this. But it's really a chance to shape people's experiences at a time when they're Mm -hmm. incredibly vulnerable. And so although I'm not providing the care, we help train and educate and coach other people who are And Mm. so that they can give that that loving care that's needed.
1: Certainly a part of the healing process without question. Before I ask you our closing question, which is a standard question on these podcasts, what advice would you have for those people listening to this who are either in the area of patient experience, uh, whether they're chief or not, or are considering moving in this direction, just from a career point of view?
2: I would say that need to understand the complexity of the healthcare system. Um, you know, many of the people who have come into this role, well, there are quite a few physicians, but there are many, many who aren't. So it's really understanding what the day to day life is of a provider in the healthcare system and the frontline staff um, and being able to relate to many other people. Uh, it, mm. it's, a, it's a complicated question because it it's not a usual role, it's not like you can just study this. It's something that Mm. has to evolve, but you have to have a passion for this work because culture change doesn't come easy. You have to have patience, you have to have a passion, and you have to be able to build trust with people at many different levels.
1: I'd like to hit you up with our final question, which is a standard question that has to do with hope. In the next five or so years, what's going to have the greatest impact in improving the patient experience? What's your hope for the future?
2: I, I think that people operate on many different levels when they are ill and realizing that we have to keep that patient at the center. So even though you have to remember, this could be the worst day of their life and whether they like to be communicated with via text or whether they want to have somebody hold their hand in an office setting, um, you need to be there, and you need to be present. And I don't think that's going to change much around patient experience. I mean, we could talk about access issues, and we could talk about uh, patient education materials. I mean, there's so many ways to partner with our patients. I think the, the movement of what matters most to you is really important versus what's the matter with you, and understanding. Uh, what that patient and family need from us is, is really critical.
1: Well, Dr. Allen, we want to thank you so much for your time today. I think what you've outlined is is a very ambitious program to make people's experiences better. There's a lot more to this than meets the eye.
2: Absolutely. I, I think sometimes people think that patient experience is just adding the fluff to it, but this is a very complex area, and we need to approach it with a scientific mind With compassion.
1: Dr. Allen, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the podcast.
0: If you're looking to grow your career, then consider joining other leaders in healthcare and becoming an American College of Healthcare Executives member. There are many benefits to joining the Massachusetts chapter of ACHE. You'll be among the leaders in healthcare, gaining knowledge and skill sets that will help you grow professionally and excel at your job you'll enjoy greater satisfaction and the potential to enhance your career and you'll be giving back to your profession in positive and inspiring ways as a member of ACHE you'll join more than 48,000 healthcare leaders from across the United States and the world who are dedicated to improving healthcare and advancing the profession of healthcare management visit ache.org/membership that's ache.org/membership